Faith, family, wrestling. This is Wrestling for the Faith. Wrestling for the Faith. And now, here's your host, Casey Cage. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Wrestling for the Faith. I'm Casey Cage. Thanks for listening to this episode. And today, I've got my good friend, my my ministry partner, and pro wrestling referee, the coach, Brandon Myers, with me today. We're going to be... Uh, we're going to be telling some stories and talking. I'm sure there will be some wrestling talk and, and a lot of Bible study and just talking about uh, several different subjects on this episode. So, uh, Brandon, how you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Glad to be here. Good. Enjoy good. the show, by the way. Well, thank you. I enjoy I'm, listening. I'm I'm really enjoying it lately, getting to sit down with with uh, old friends and, and relive old memories, talk about uh fun times and even sometimes not so fun times but you know that's all part of it's all part of our lives yeah you know we all have we all have things that we go through things that we uh are proud of and things that we're not so proud of but um like i've always told everybody i've done some some bad things and i've been a bad person but i wouldn't change a thing because everything that I've been through has made me who I am in Christ today. Right. So uh, we were just talking a little bit ago about how we first met. Now, we met at church uh, just not long after I got saved. Right. And you, like, didn't talk to nobody. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I hope you didn't take that personally, you? No. Uh, because people know who know me now and knew me right. You know, I got saved when I was 24, but I was always quiet person. I always, just was, you know. Yeah. Even before I got saved, I was a quiet person. So unless you really knew me, I mean, I just, I just didn't talk. Wasn't I didn't like you? Uh, I'm sure it came across that way, but it was never my intention. And that's one thing I, I, I kind of regret early when I first got saved. It wasn't that I was ashamed of the gospel or anything. I just didn't know how to share it. Right. Because I, you know, I didn't talk. I was quiet. So now, you know, some people probably wish I'd shut up. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, I think it was, we joke about it. Like five years went by before I even spoke to you. Yeah. We were friends for five years and, you know, it wasn't that long. But it was, uh, but yeah, uh, that's how we met. We met through church. Yeah, it's funny. Our common bond, other than Jesus, was you were a big wrestling fan. Yeah, I always loved wrestling, man. And I didn't know it. How was it that we got started? I, I don't remember how we I got started remember, talking. Man. I was thinking about that the last couple of days. I don't even know how it even got started. Uh, you know, uh, just I always loved wrestling. I always loved old school wrestling. I really loved old school wrestling. Yeah. Uh, I went to a few shows. I grew up in Dalton, so I went to a few shows. I know y'all talked about it. RCW, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went there a few times when I was in uh, Tunnel Hill. Yeah. It was on the... TWA. TWA, sorry, yeah. TWA. Uh, <clears throat> but, yeah, man, it's always enjoyed the wrestling. Uh, but I don't know how it really gets... Uh, I think I had this bright idea I wanted to be a wrestler. Well, I, I don't do, know how that came about, I, but... 
<laughs> I do remember that. I, I remember it exactly because I was thirty five and you used to tell me story. Well, so and so started when he was thirty five. I'm like, yeah, but he's in a lot better shape than I am. <laughs> it still is. Uh, so we just kind of, I guess, it just kind of grew from there. You know? uh, I remember you. How many sessions did we have before you we'll decided? Two sessions, maybe, maybe like one and a half, really. <laughs> but I'll, I'll say two just to make me feel better about myself. Cause, uh, but I remember I texted you uh, uh, probably the next day, and man, I couldn't, I couldn't even get out of the bed. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I, I could, man. I had, I mean, things hurt. I didn't even know I had hurt, and every, everything in me just was sore. Yeah. I mean, I was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? So, so, so to catch people up, just we met uh, at church, and mm-hmm. I don't even remember how we struck up a conversation. Uh, I know you was a wrestling fan, and and we got to talking and and become, you know, common friends. Of course, you know, I was I was new to the body of Christ, so I was looking, uh, you know, for relationships in the right. church. You know, yeah. people to help grow me and and help me along and everything. So. And and that's what our relationship's always been, and I'm grateful for that. But so we get striking up this conversation, and somehow, and I can't remember exactly how it goes, but uh, you end up at the house. We yeah. set up the ring in yeah. my backyard. Yeah, I remember. And that. I was I was training some guys at that time. Yes. Yeah. So that's what you're talking about. You're you're. <laughs> We're in the ring. We have one and a half or two sessions, yeah. and then you, <laughs> was a, you, yeah, it didn't last very long with the the wrestling aspect, that like the, that part. But and you took it easy on me. I know you took it easy on me. I, well, my wife, I remember, she has seen me mm-hmm. uh, train guys, which you know there was only there was only two who I trained who ever actually made it into, you know, taking bookings and having matches. Uh, but there were several who I would start training. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's rough. I, I make you earn it. I don't, I don't just intentionally try to beat you up. But, you know, as I've said on the podcast before, if, if somebody's going to have my name, you know, if they're going to be – going from town to town and show to show and saying, well, Casey Cage trained me. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm going to do my best to have somebody who's going to be able to get in the ring and, and do their thing and know what they're doing. And, uh, so, but I, I remember my, my wife being very concerned because, you know, you had the interest in training. Mm-hmm. And she knew how I was with training guys. I mean, she had watched, you know, uh, me have guys set the ring up in the backyard and then me get in there and and just roll with them, you know, amateur style and, and just stretch them and tie them up in knots and rough them up and, and make them run till they're, they're puking their guts up and all this other stuff. So, And she was like, oh, these are our new church friends <laughs> and you're going to run them off already. Yeah. <laughs> she likes to tell that story to you I <laughs> but it was good stuff man I, and I laugh about it now because I know people who are wrestling fans are like 
man, all that stuff's fake. I can do it. And I just, I just laugh. I'm like, oh, really? Yeah. You, you can do it. And I think back, you know, I was like, well, yeah, let's see if you can get in there and take these bumps. Because you got to be properly trained, you know, and yeah. know what you're doing so you don't hurt yourself or, you know, the person you're wrestling. But I, so I think we came up with an idea that, hey, how about a referee? That's what I was going to ask you. I can't remember I whose you, idea it was, whether it was yours or mine. I think mine it was mine. I said, hey, you need a referee. Yeah. You know, we, I don't know if GWM was in the top then or something. But somehow, hey, maybe you can just use me as a ref for something, whatever. If you start, you know, you yeah. go to a show or whatever. Uh, so that's how that came about. Yeah. Which I think I turned out to be a pretty good ref. You, I, you definitely did. Uh, you know, watching all the years, I kind of had an idea, you know. Right. Uh, but like you say, you put your name with somebody else. I, of course, I anything I do like that, I want to do my best anyway. You know, just mm-hmm. for, I want to look, hey, this guy, he knows what he's doing, you know. Right. So, uh, <coughs> yeah, so, you know, then you start traveling around with me and, you know, going to shows and reffing, and I'm sure some of the people at, at at times thought that, you know, you were the only way uh, that I was winning matches. Because <laughs> hey, Casey Cage, he's got to where he takes his own personal referee to every show. Well, yeah, I guess so. But me never being a part around that, it was kind of it was awesome. You know, just you just got me in. Hey, as a referee, I trained think it's pretty good you know and i enjoyed it man i i, I still miss I, I miss refereeing i'll be honest with yeah you. well well uh, that ride may not be over we might have some things coming up soon just, uh and it really helped too to get it really helped me get out of that that quietness you know that shell that right i seem to be in uh for some reason i don't know that's just how it was just being quiet and not saying a whole lot that kind of helped open the door to that too, you know. <clears throat> well, it's it's kind of hard to be a very shy person. Can't be for a long referee, right? Yeah, <laughs> that and I remember that was the only thing that I remember. You know, when you first started, staying on you about yeah, being energetic in the ring, yeah. you know, yeah. showing that emotion, being energetic, being quick, and you know, uh, but I mean, you got the hang of it and. But you can't you can't stay a shy guy forever uh, when you're no. when you're going to different locker rooms around right. different people right. and, and I mean these wrestling locker rooms there's all kinds of different cats yeah. you know I mean these people you know they some that's just flat out strange and I'm sure there's some that think we were strange yeah but uh, you know uh, and and then of course being in front of the crowds uh, no matter how many it is you know fifty. 100 500 whatever yeah. it is i mean you you can't can't really remain too too shy when you're right. in that line of work yeah it didn't matter how big the crowd was man i had it was like there was 300 people every night every yeah. show we did it was just i had that much fun right and it was that it was just cool being hey man i'm not a wrestler but i'm a i'm a referee i'm a professional referee right here so well and everybody in the sport has their job yeah, it's. I'm not comparing it with the body of Christ, but as as the Bible talks about how, you know, uh, one body part can't say about the other body part. You know, well, 
the nose is more important than the than the ear or the the eyes more important than the arm or whatever you know uh it's the same thing with wrestling you know it don't matter where you are on the card whether you're the the main event top guy or whether you're you know just an enhancement talent or whether you're a referee or a manager uh or you know the ring crew camera guys whatever you are you know everybody everybody has a part and everybody deserves uh you know to be respected for their parts because if if we wasn't all working together then it wouldn't be possible yeah definitely I always joke with you. I always say, I'm just a referee, pal. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, man, but, but yeah, man, I, that really helped uh, get me out of that, that shell that, where it, whatever it was that I was in. Uh, and I, you know, I was never in that intentionally. It's just, that's just who I was always. I was always quiet unless you really, really knew, knew me personally, yeah. you know. I wasn't one to go up strike up a conversation with a stranger uh now i don't have that problem right you know, i could I talk to people uh and i joke maybe i just didn't like people you know <laughs> and it wasn't that you know i joke about it a lot that way but it wasn't i didn't like anybody it's just i didn't know how right and i really didn't know how to go up and just you know start talking to people uh so that really helped that really opened the door for that well, I used to be the exact opposite. I wasn't shy at all, right. but I did not like people. Right. I didn't like. I didn't like meeting new people. I didn't like talking to new people. Yeah. You know, I was. I was not shy, but I just. I had my circle, mm-hmm. and it. I didn't care anything about getting out outside of that circle. You know, I was very guarded. Had my guard up a lot of times. You yeah. know. Uh, and back then, uh, very self-centered, very prideful. So, you know, life was all about me and my eyes anyway. So uh, I didn't care what anybody thought or cared to talk to anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think about that too. Maybe I was just, at, at times I was very guarded too, but just for other reasons, you know. Yeah. Uh, whatever reason it was, just private, I guess. I just more private. Right. You know. In my personal life or whatever. But, uh... So, something else that I was going to ask you about. Now, the the people who are listening may not know, but, uh, you know, we've had uh, different ministry ventures together. Um, we youth pastored together. Mm-hmm. And, now, that's what I was going to ask you because you call me the boss man, I call you the coach. Even in my phone now, you're the coach. Uh, yeah, uh, you're the boss, man. Yes. Now, I, I know that it came from the youth group. Yeah. Uh, but I can't remember how all that come about. I don't know why. Everybody calls me the coach now. Uh, <laughs> I know my nephew, Jaden, started it in the youth, just calling me coach. Yeah. So, uh, shout out to Jaden out there. He, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then it just caught on. Everybody just started calling me coach. Right. And I, I, some people are like, wait, hey, what's up, coach? I'm like... Yeah, what's up, buddy? I, I <laughs> it just stuck. I don't know. Uh, someone, I don't know how all these people know. <laughs> it's just, it's just one of the things that stuck with me, I guess. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's uh, it's that it started with the youth. It started with Jaden, and it just went from there. Yeah. And the boss man, I don't know why I just call you the boss. Yeah, man. I don't know how that came about either. Uh, but. 
I joke with I joke with you a lot that I, you know, he kind of bossy at times. He's not being bossy. He's being uh, <laughs> he's being a brother in Christ. He's being uh, oh, so that's where he held accountable. Yeah, holding but, me accountable, but, <laughs> which I appreciate. But I jokingly call you the boss man, and it just oh, took, now so, I see. So now it, and that took off, and everybody, you know, Dana calls you boss man. And yeah, my kids call you boss man. <laughs> so one of the boss man's house, I know where I'm going. So <laughs> that's funny. But, oh. yeah, but I appreciate that part of it too, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But I mean, we'll we can go ahead and start talking yeah, about that uh, because that is that is a thing, you know, uh, with Christians. You you hear a lot of times um, people like to quote, uh, "Judge not, lest you be judged." Oh yes, yes. You know, don't judge me, or you're going to be judged. But they they never read on down where it right. it says, you know, judge with the same measure. You know, uh, examine yourself first. Then over, you know, that's in Matthew seven. Then in John chapter seven, Jesus says. Judge with a righteous judgment, but yes. not according to appearance. You know, so as uh, as Christians, we are called to judge. Uh, we are not called to condemn someone to hell. You know, we're not God. We're not uh, judge, jury, and executioner. But we are called to judge and hold each other accountable. Yes. And and that's that's something that a lot of people don't understand. A lot of people say, "Well, you know, uh, nobody can judge me." But what we were talking about before we started recording, the fruit in our lives, you know, Jesus said, "You will know my followers by their fruit." Yeah. And that's the their lifestyle. And so, as Christians, uh, we have the duty to hold each other accountable, not according to our opinions, but according to the Word of God. That's it. I, a lot of people will get that confused because they, I mean, let's just be real. They want to keep living the way they're living. Right. They don't want nobody telling them, hey, this is what the Word of God says. You shouldn't be doing this. Mm-hmm. It's not what I say. It's not what the coach says. It's not what the boss man says. Right. It's like, what's the Word of God say? God says it's wrong, it's wrong. Right. You know? But people don't want, they don't want to be held accountable. They just want to continue to do what they're doing, whatever it may be. Uh, but man, once Christ gets a hold of you, it changes you. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it changes And you. that's the big thing that has to be understood. You know, uh, I think you had a similar experience, uh, but I know with me, age of 14 I I hear the gospel preached and the pastor you know he's he's closing and and about to do the altar call and and he says if you leave this church tonight and you're on your way home and you hit a telephone pole and die will heaven be your eternal home or will you spend eternity in hell and Yes, that needs to be preached, <clears throat> and, and it needs to be understood that, you know, if we're born again, heaven is what we have to look forward to, you know, eternity with Jesus. Uh, but if we're not, then yes, 
hell is what we have to look forward to. But in my case at that time, I was not drawn to the altar by the Holy Spirit. I was drawn by fear. I was terrified of going to hell. And so I went to the altar and I said a prayer and I cried and I blew snot all over the altar and and I even, you know, went on to get my uh, church membership certificate and got water baptized and all this and but I never truly had the desire to become a new creation. And that's the difference in someone who just repeats a prayer uh, out of fear or, you know, just because they want fire insurance. Yeah. Or someone who's truly drawn by the Holy Spirit. When, uh, you know, from that time on, and I mean, I I still went to church. I I grew up in church. But I I still went to church uh, for a little while after that. But it wasn't, you know, it was less than a year before, uh, I mean, I was out doing the things that all my teenage friends were doing and and drinking and partying and, and sex and everything else. And so... I I would say fell off the wagon, but the truth is I was never on the wagon because uh, I never had that desire to become a new creation. And when you're truly born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside you and he leads us. Jesus said he will lead you in all truth. And so that's where we all have to examine ourselves and find out, okay, am I truly saved? Do I feel the Holy Spirit convicting me when I'm when I'm going in a wrong direction, when I'm having a wrong thought, when I say something wrong, when I do something wrong? Do I do I feel the Holy Spirit convicting me? Or am I fine living a willful lifestyle of sin? Yeah. That's the difference in, you know, everybody Everybody likes to to quote the do not judge. They like to quote Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Okay, but that was never meant to be an excuse to live in sin. Right. Uh, The Bible is clear that when you're truly born again, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away and everything has become new. That's it, man. And so that's where we have to examine ourselves. And I know so many people, I being one of them at the age of 26, all those years from from 14 to 26, lived like hell and thought I was going to heaven. Mm -hmm. You know, I I remember vividly uh, one night, uh, me and Chase Stevens leaving a bar in uh, somewhere I think Dallas or Temple, Texas, something like that. And I remember people telling us, "Hey, you don't you don't need to drive, man. You guys been drinking a little too much." And I remember looking at them, sloshed out of my mind, and saying, "Oh, if I die, I'm saved. I know where I'm going." Yeah, man. Looking back now, I realize that I wasn't I wasn't saved at all. 
And if I was truly saved, I would have never had that attitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, we fall short. We sin. We miss the mark. We mess up, even as Christians. But there's a big difference in the Christian who slips up and makes mistakes and the person who lives in a willful, continual lifestyle of sin. Yes, and for the listeners out there, this is very important. If I was to tell you, once you become a Christian, man, everything's going to be great. Everything is just going to, I mean, your life's going to be perfect. That's just not the case. It's not the truth. Because once you give your life to Christ, Man, the devil's going to come at you much harder than he did before. That's when the enemy he's going to tempt you. Listen, Jesus was tempted. We're all going to be tempted, but he didn't give in to the temptation. Right. That's when it becomes sin. Yeah. So, uh, for you. <clears throat> and, man, it just, uh, I think we're going to get into the question. I don't know what you got next, but we were talking and we were texting back and forth a few times and, you asked what I, what was on my mind, and one of the things was, who are people praying to? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I see people pray, and it crossed my mind a few times. Are they are they praying to God, right. God of the Bible, Jesus, or are they just praying to somebody who's they created in their mind, or somebody that was, you know, people go to church all the time and just hear one certain, uh, say they go to the same church. For twenty years, and they're hearing the same old, same old, same old, same old. Never. And grown. I'm not knocking any churches or nothing, but they're not growing. Definitely not growing. It's just going through the motions, going through the motions. You know, doing the works. Hey, I got to do this. I got to do that. But and I hear these people, and I see them praying. You know, they pray before they eat and stuff like that. But I'm thinking, man, who 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 are you praying to? Mm-hmm. Is it somebody you just created? Because I hear people say, "My God." wouldn't do this or my God right. wouldn't do that but what's the word say what's the word of God say what's the word of God yeah. say he doesn't think I'm doing wrong this is not wrong in his, he's, he loves me no matter what what I do and he does love you yes but he doesn't love what you do <clears throat> if you're willfully sinning he's not he doesn't love that I, I had a I had the conversation the exact conversation <coughs> with a couple of guys yesterday uh that's the that's the thing is to willfully live a lifestyle of sin shows that you're not truly born again yeah um and no you know the bible says nothing can separate us from the love of god but what we need to understand is uh just because god loves you unconditionally does not mean that you have unconditional eternal security right and you know we've talked about the the argument of well uh if you get saved can you walk away from your salvation or lose your salvation or 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 can you just live however you want to and and you're fine <clears throat> i used to argue about that I really think it's a stupid argument, and and it goes right along. What I'm about to read goes right along with that. When I read this, it it opened my eyes to to the truth 
that whether you can walk away from your salvation uh, or whether, and, and just to clarify, I don't believe that you can lose your salvation like you, you know, lose your wallet right or the keys to your yeah, car right. it's not <clears throat> it's not you know you fumble the football and yeah. you have lost your salvation it's not every you know there's some uh some denominations who teach you know oh you you slip up and you you know you miss church on sunday and yeah. you know you better get back to that altar and get saved again because you're going to hell that's not at all the case but god loves us eternally uh, but he will love you all the way to the gates of hell. Mm -hmm. But to settle the argument of whether you can walk away from your salvation or whether you can't, here's the, here's the clear answer. It's found in 1 John chapter 3, beginning at verse, uh, let's see, beginning at verse 6. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin, because he has been born of God. In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. So, and in the Greek, this is talking about continual, willful lifestyle of sin. Yeah. You know, we all make mistakes. But this is talking about uh, someone who can continually live a lifestyle of sin, unrepentant, and, and never turn, you know, toward mm -hmm. Jesus. And in most cases, I would say that those people, uh, they may have repeated a prayer, but they were never truly saved to begin with. You know, you can repeat the prayer a million times, but until you believe it with your whole heart, right? You know, uh, we used to have a pastor who who liked to say, and I one hundred percent agree, there is no such thing as salvation without transformation. Mm -hmm. But this First John three, uh, this pretty much settles the argument. Whether whether you were saved and you lost your salvation or whether you were never saved to begin with it's it's plain mm -hmm. if you are of god you're going to live a righteous life and if you're not you're not yeah so i mean that pretty much settles the argument for me mm -hmm. so wh whether you had it and you lost it or whether you never had it to begin with the point is if you're living this lifestyle of willful sin you're not in the will of God, right? Uh, so you need to repent and and get back on the right track. Yes, and you was talking about you know you going down to the altar and just going through the motions and you went out of fear. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people do that; they just go through 
where somebody's dragging them by the arm down there. Listen, you can't drag people. Right. You just can't. You got to be led by the Holy Spirit. And I was, I used to be one of the people too. Used to use the grace card as, you know, get out of, get out of jail free, as we like to say. Yeah. Well, I'm saved by grace. He forgive me. Well, I'm saved by grace. He forgave me. But I continue to do the same thing. Right. Listen, we can't use that as an excuse. No. And I was, I was bad about doing that too, man. Just, well, I'm, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm a sinner no. saved by grace. And see, that's I have a, I have a huge problem with that. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I used to, I used to say it just too. like you. Me too. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Mm-hmm. No, if you actually read the Bible, when you're born yeah. again, it says that you are a son of God. Yeah. You're not just a sinner saved by grace anymore. You have went from sinner to saint. Yes. So yeah. that's that's a that's a that's a big thing that people need to understand. Right. A lot of people, if they go through life with the mindset, "Oh, I'm a sinner saved by grace," it 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 gives you uh, a thought in the back of your mind. Well, yeah, I'm just a failure, and I'm going to continue to fail. Yeah. Uh, but God loves me. Yeah. But that's not that's a that's a non sanctified way to look at it because uh God's plan from the time that you are born again till the time that you are standing face to face with Jesus, the plan is for us to be sanctified, mm-hmm. to be growing more and more like Christ each and every day. Yeah. So but back to, you know, the question that you asked. Who are they praying to? I, I believe so many, they want to make up their own version of God. I agree, man. Yeah. And you can just tell. You can see it by the by their actions, by the way they, they live their life, by the way they react, you know, the people. Or it just, it's just one of them questions that have really been on my mind and my heart, man. Do you really know Jesus? Do you know who he is? Or is just somebody that you made up? You mm-hmm. just made up some God of yours. You know, my God, He loves me. Yes, Jesus loves you no matter what. But it just—I don't know. And we're going. I'm gonna get on the soapbox for a minute. When people say they're gonna send you, I'm gonna send you good vibes. Okay, <laughs> what does that mean? I don't even know what that means. But if you're not praying to Jesus, you're not praying to the God of the Bible. I don't need your good vibes. Right. I don't want you praying for me. I want somebody who's filled with the Holy Ghost. I mean, who knows Jesus. Yes. That's who I want praying for me. Right. Not some fictional or some story made up Jesus that you heard or created in your mind. Yes. You can keep those prayers. I don't need them. They ain't going to do me no good. Right. I don't need your good vibes. I need the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That's what I, That's what we need. Right. You know, but it, we talked, we text back and forth about this, about good vibes. We, yeah. He's like, what does that even mean? I, I, I don't know what it I, means. I don't have a clue what it means, and so I don't know where it came us, from. Please, let us know. Well, and, and my guess is it came from some, it, it's it's some way for people to say that basically they're praying for you, but they they're not they're not Christian or they don't believe in a God or whatever. So they're, this is our way of saying, Hey, we're, we're praying for you. We're thinking about you or whatever, but that's good vibes. I don't even know. It just, oh man, it just, it just like, 
it just eats away at me when people I see that or read it or somebody sends in a comment. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but, okay. But there's so many who who make up their own version of God. Mm-hmm. You know, and and the Bible, it's either truth from beginning to end or it's not truth at all. Yeah. It, it's not a box of trail mix that you can go through and pick out what you like and throw away what you don't like. That's good, yeah. The the Bible is the word of God. Um I know that that's in 1st or 2nd Timothy. I don't remember the exact verse, but the Bible is God breathed. Mm-hmm. It was all inspired by God. All scripture uh was given by God. And so we either believe it or we don't. Right. We can't we can't say, well, I, I believe this chapter, but that chapter right there don't fit my lifestyle. It's a little harsh, so we're gonna rip that out. Uh, yeah. That one cut me a little too deep. Right. That one nah, I'll stay away from that one. I wanna I didn't like that. I didn't like the way that, that verse made me feel. That's <laughs> the Holy Spirit talking to you. That's exactly and you right. don't want to hear it. Because right. in your mind you've created this what well, have you used that before? I'm saved by grace. Ah, that's okay. Mm-hmm. He'll forgive me. That's okay. Uh, oh man, it's it's a dangerous place to be. It's very dangerous. And sadly, there's preachers out there who uh, allow people to make up their own version of God, mm-hmm. probably because they have their own version of yeah. God too. Uh, but they, you know, they preach false doctrines. They they preach a false God. Uh, and you know, I, I text you today and it was, it was something that came out of our Bible study last night. Um, pastors today, a lot of times they're trying to, without even realizing it, maybe, um, now some are, are prideful, arrogant, and you know, they're, this superstar preacher and they want the whole show to be about them. Yeah. You know, church is a show to them. It's not, it's not a, a place of worship. Uh, but they, they want to be in the spotlight. They want to be, you know, the one getting all the credit for everything. But, but pastors a lot of times are guilty of trying to take the place of the Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is God who calls people yeah. into ministry. It is God who leads people and tells people, hey, I've got a calling for you in children's ministry or as a pastor or a youth pastor mm-hmm. or a, a worship leader or, or you know, a janitor, whatever it is. It's God who, who appoints uh, people. Uh, but because of this church growth movement that is pretty much nothing more than a corporate business growth model, uh, people, pastors a lot of times are trying to, when they get new people into the church, they're trying to put them in a position. Uh, Not asking has God called you to this? N- not, not a, not, not. Hey, um, 
pray about this or you know they're trying to put people in positions and the whole thing is in most cases they're trying to put people in positions so that they'll continue to come to their church mm -hmm. so that they won't leave and that's a that's a that's that's not a a good thing that's uh, this takes me back when I first got saved man it was maybe a year or two after that and me and Dan and we just fell right in the church was going to it was just like bam next time I know we're the youth ministers mm -hmm. we're the children's ministry it wasn't like I had a heart for it but God wasn't ready for me to do that you see what I'm saying it was more like hey we need a children's director we need a children's minister you're it right you're, you're a spot filler why because they don't want you to leave the church they yeah. want you to they want to grow the church which I I get that part of it but when the, you're not led by the spirit I mean, we, we had a good time. I had a heart for it, but it wasn't led by the Spirit. You know what I mean? It was just something as a work that I thought I had to do. Mm -hmm. And that's what it became. It became work. Instead of just, hey, God called me to this. Instead of being led by the Spirit, it's it would just become a work, and I'm just working. And, man, it wasn't long before we got burned out. It was just doing this and doing that, running here and running there. And when you're a new Christian, man, you're not... I wasn't ready for that. Now, how can a baby I, Christian exactly. be equipped right. to teach? Right. Even if it is kids. Right. Uh, the, the kids are one of the most important parts of the body of Christ. Yeah. I would say the most important. Mm -hmm. Because what what is being put into them is what they're going to grow up and put out. And so... Yeah, you know, you want people coming to the church. You want people staying in the church. But it it ends up the way that you just said. You put somebody who is not called in a position, not called by God, okay? The pastors don't appoint people to ministry positions. It has to be a calling from God. You put these people in positions so that they won't leave the church, and they are not feeding the people that you put them over right. because they're worried so much about what am I going to teach? What am I going to preach? What am yeah. I going to what am I going to tell these people that they're just looking up all kinds of Bible stories trying to throw something out there? That's it. And and you're it's people are people get in that place where they get burned out because they're trying to do this thing. They're trying to work this ministry in their own power, mm -hmm. trying to work ministry under their fleshly power, not the power of the Holy Spirit. That's it, man. And, and so they end up getting burned out. That's why we see so many, we see so many people who will quote, try church or try Jesus for a while. And then they get burned out and, and, they disappear. Mm -hmm. the, you can't put people in positions that God has not called them to. Yeah. And I'll go out on a limb and say this too. And and I know this might get some heat from people, but here's here's the thing. The pastors, sadly, a lot of pastors, not everybody, 
But a lot of pastors today, they care more about numbers. That's it, man. Than they do the soul of the people that they have. They care more about getting people to the church just so they can look good than the soul of the people. You bring people in who are new Christians or maybe not even Christians at all. Uh, maybe they're just seeking. They're just wanting to to find a church home so that they can grow. And you throw them into a position. Yeah. They get burned out. They run away. And that's what happens in most cases. And a lot of times they don't recover, man. They, they just, they're so burnt out or they have that experience. It's like, man, why, why even do it? Yeah. Why even try it again? That's no excuse when we talk about this. No excuse to stay where you're at. If you're not continue growing, continue to grow, continue to learn. I know y'all mentioned that. If you're still not teachable, yeah, you think you know it all. That's in every area of life. Yeah, every area of life, definitely. And when people get, thankfully, the more I grew, the more I, I was able to feed myself mm-hmm. the Word of God, the more I could, man, the, okay, this is where the Spirit, this is where the Holy Spirit's leading me now. So now I'm ready to do that next step. I'm ready to go into, you know, youth ministry or whatever, right. whatever it was. But some people don't recover, man. They just, they get pushed in that position or they just, okay, you're it. You're going to be, okay. At first it's exciting, it's great, man, you're working for the Lord. But then somewhere it becomes religious work. Mm-hmm. And then you're just doing it, going through the motions. The next thing you know, man, you're just burned out. And a lot of people don't recover from that, yeah. man. You're burned out, you're doing this thing out yeah. of an obligation because you feel like, uh, you know, the church needs you and and you feel like you're going to let everybody down. Yeah. Uh, you bring baby Christians, new Christians, new people into the church and put them in a position and put so much weight on their shoulders and they they get that burden and, and a lot of times, you know, it, it drives them away because they feel like a failure. Yeah. You know, when they get in that place where, you know, they're going through these religious routines, you know, just going through the motions, just trying to stay afloat. But it's like they've got anchors tied to their yeah. to their feet. And they feel like failures. But that all comes back to the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who empowers us to do the work of the ministry. And, and your ministry is not just church. Your ministry is wow. wherever you are. But it's the Holy Spirit who empowers us to do the work of the ministry. And... The Holy Spirit who leads us on a daily basis. It's the Holy Spirit who draws people into the church. Yeah, that's it. It's man. not it's not the pastor's job to be, you know, out there with his with his staff and his cane, you know, and trying to hook people around the neck and drag them into the church. Yeah. Um and and sadly that's that's where so many people's focus is. Their focus is on drawing people in, and I've said it uh, a million times. If if pastors, ministers would focus on feeding the sheep that God has given them, yeah, you focus on filling them up, 
focus on letting the Holy Spirit set them on fire, then you you won't have a problem getting the word out. Right. Because those people will be so on fire for God that they will be going out and doing doing the work and preaching Jesus and witnessing to people. You don't you don't have to start some discipleship program. You don't have to you don't have to uh, start some big outreach program. Not that not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. But uh, when you're setting the people on fire, outreach is going to be their daily lives. That's it. Because yeah. Jesus is what they talk. No matter where they're at, no matter who they're around, Jesus is what they're speaking. Yeah. So that's your natural outreach, and all because you're just pouring into them and allowing the Holy Spirit to fill them up. Mm-hmm. When when somebody's getting filled up, they can't help but overflow. That's it, man. That's it. I'm glad you brought that up. Being a Christian is not just going to church. That's not just your ministry. Your ministry is who you are. That's who you are. Because mm-hmm. Christ lives in you. Man, I, I'm not the same guy I used to be. Exactly. I'm not that same quiet guy that just sat around was his own little world, you know, whatever. Man, Jesus has called me and you to go and spread the gospel through our lives, through everything that we do. Yeah. And man, if people are waiting for you to fail. They're just waiting for you to do something wrong. But I, I had this written down. This goes with, uh, we're talking about false doctrine. And this uh, teaching that adds religious works to Christ's finished work on the cross. Mm-hmm. So, if you're teaching works, religious works, Jesus says it's finished. Mm-hmm. So, if you're trying to add your religious works to what he's already done on the cross, that's false doctrine. Yeah. That's a lie from the enemy. Once, what he did on the cross is finished. Yes. Once you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. Man, you want to go out and do those works. Not right. because you have to. Not because you feel obligated to. Not because somebody's pointing, you know, the pastor said, hey, you're this, you're that. No, the Holy Spirit led you. He's leading you. Exactly. To what he's called you to do. What he's called you to do. Not what we think you're called to do. or You're just filling a spot, you know. That's, that's exactly right. It's... And the leadership of the Holy Spirit is something that a lot of times is overlooked. It's not It's not just a, you know, being a follower of Jesus is actually being a follower of Jesus. Yeah. Letting the Holy Spirit lead you on a daily basis in your decisions, in your actions, your words. It's not just about, it's not just about going to church and being a good person. And so many, uh, they have that mixed up whether it's from the the preaching uh and a lot of that is controlled preaching you know people want to put all these works on people uh and mm. you know oh you've got to be in the church building or you know god's displeased with you no here's the thing there's nothing wrong with going to a church building oh, but what people yeah. need to understand is if you're born again you are the church that's it the Bible says you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Christ lives in us. We are the church. 
So no matter whether we're in a church building with a church sign out front or whether we're in our house or whether we're at our job, whether we're in the wrestling ring, whether we're, whether we're mowing the yard, whatever we're doing, we are the church. Yes. And, and that's, you know, good works is a result of the Holy Spirit living in you. You will have good works. You will desire to live a righteous and holy life uh, and you will be sanctified and transformed and being conformed daily into the image of Christ. Yeah. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But when you're trying to live for God in your own power, yeah. which is what happens with when a lot of churches or denominations put extra works on top of the cross. Mm. When it's when it's what who Jesus is, what he did, and this. Right. You know, that's... When you're trying to do that in your own power, that's where the burnout comes from. That's where the failure comes from. Because you're not being led by the Spirit of God. You're not letting the Spirit empower you to do what He's called you to do. He didn't just, and I think I just talked about it last week, Galatians 2. It's, it's, I think it's your favorite it's too. Favorite it's our favorite too, verse. I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave yes. Himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. If there was anything that we could have done to save or yeah. sanctify ourselves, then Jesus died for no reason. And that uh, I, I stole this from Brother Bob Cornell, but the whole I do not frustrate the grace of God thing, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he, he used the illustration of a water hose. When we are trying to do good works or Christian works in our own power, then, then we are frustrating the grace of God. Yeah. Like the water hose. If you pick up, if you've got a water hose and you straighten it out across the yard, you turn it on full blast, man, that thing, as long as it's flat out through there, it's going to be unhindered and flowing great. You know, that, that water is going to be flowing unhindered. But if you pick that up and you clamp it together, then you might be getting a little trickle out the end of that water hose, but you're not getting what you could be getting. So that's what happens when we try to add our works yeah. to what Jesus has already done. We are frustrating. We are hindering the work of God by trying to add our own works. Works is a... Works... Good works and a good life, a righteous and holy life, is a natural byproduct of you resting in the finished work of Christ. Yes. The Holy Spirit does the work in us and through us. He produces the works of righteousness. Yeah. That's that's what that's what we have to understand as Christians, and that's what so many misunderstand is you know i 
I used to have family members, and I know they meant well. But, you know, when I was living in the world, when I was out on the road doing my thing and living for myself, um, you know, I, I remember getting the phone calls. Casey, you need to get in church. Oh, yeah. Need to get in church. And, you know, even though church is good, it's a good tool. But it's not about getting in church. It's about getting into Christ. That's it. When you've been crucified and you are now in Christ and Christ is in you, you don't have a problem uh, gathering with fellow believers. Right. You don't have a problem uh, doing good works. But it's about it's about the old man, the old you dying, as Romans 6 says. Mm-hmm being buried and resurrected to walk in a newness of life with Jesus. We're a new creation. That's what it's all about. It's not, it's not, hey, try to be who you are and live a holy life because you can't do it. I, I had a friend uh, mention the other day that he was... He was trying to become a better him, or how I can't remember exactly how he worded it. I'm trying to become a better me, and I've just not figured it out yet. And I said, "We don't get on that soapbox." I said, "And I said, well, brother, I said my first bit of advice would be to do what I did." I said. Uh, let Jesus yeah. change you. You know, get crucified with Jesus. Yeah. Let that old man die. And let him make you a new creation because he made me a better me than I could have ever made me a better me. That's exactly right, man. You know, he didn't just he didn't just remake who I was. He completely changed me. Oh, yeah. He ripped my guts out, my yeah. heart, my everything. He changed me. Yes. It, it's a whole different, whole different ball game from, from trying to go to church, trying to do good religious works, mm-hmm. trying to do uh, stuff to be pleasing to God, and letting the Holy Spirit come in and just take over your life and change you yeah and that's where that's where the freedom comes mm-hmm. listen as a Christian and Christ living in me brother it's not, not a day it, it doesn't matter what kind of day I'm having I could have having the worst day ever but if I just I can just read one scripture I could just sit down for a second or two and just open, crucify myself for that moment mm-hmm. and let the Holy Spirit just feed me something, give me something. Man, my day is just, you just wouldn't believe the peace that comes over you as a Christian, mm-hmm. knowing that Jesus is there and he's already paid it for you. He's already done it for you. So the worst day that I could ever be having, it doesn't matter what it, what it is, what I'm going through, 
once I just sit down and just focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Mm-hmm. Hey, Father. Hey, Daddy. I just need you. I, need you. I just need you at this moment. Right. I know you're there, but I'm asking you just let me focus on you just for a few minutes. Hey, man, the day, that moment, it's just, and you try to explain it to people, people who don't understand, people who don't believe in the Word of God, mm-hmm. who are not Christians. But just, it doesn't matter. I mean, it just amazes me. I tell Dennis all the time, it doesn't matter what we're going through. We just pray, we just read the Scripture, and that peace that comes over you, that's only from God. Yeah. That's from the Holy Spirit. That's nothing I could I could do my on my own. But we could do together as you know, a husband and wife. It comes from him. Yeah. And if it's not coming from him, then it's just pointless. Right. It's just the work. And people can't understand that who's not truly born again. Yeah. Who's not submitted to the leadership of the Spirit. How do you know, brother, that you're saved? How do you know that you're a Christian? How do you know that that moment down on that altar you were transformed? That's how I know. Mm -hmm. Because he's here now. He's here. He lives inside of me. That's how I know. Don't matter what kind of day I'm having, I just go to him at that moment. Mm -hmm. And bam. I mean, it's like a whole new, you're regenerated at that moment. Yeah, that's how it is for me. I mean, just I got man, I got this energy just comes over you that you're man <coughs> that Jesus is there and He loves you. That He definitely does. And it's so hard. It's so hard to put into words. But it's just people just don't get it. So that's, that 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 brought us to the question: Who who are you praying to? Do you know Jesus? Do you know who He really is? You can't add, you can't take away. Do you know who Jesus is and what he did on the cross for you? Yeah. That's, he didn't have to do what he did. No. But he did it. That's where God showed That's his love, love exactly. for us. Exactly. Jesus, and you know, maybe it's hard for some people to understand um, you know, when somebody who's not not a believer just hears that some guy died for them, yes. uh, you know, over two thousand years ago, it maybe it don't make much sense. But when you when you when you look into not just it's not just some guy. This was Jesus, the Messiah. This mm. was was God in the flesh. Yeah. He. He came down and lived a perfect life for us. Came down, kept his law perfectly because we couldn't do it. That goes back to trying to do all these religious works yeah. in your own flesh. The law, the Ten Commandments and, and everything else that went with it, you know, over 600 laws, all of that was never intended for man to keep. It was intended to show man that we needed a Savior, that we could not do it. We could not live up to the standard of God in our own power. That's why what Jesus did on the cross, he came down here, he lived 
a life perfectly, keeping the law, and lived it as a man, led by the Holy Spirit, and he went to the cross, he died, he was buried, and he was resurrected, and he became our perfect spotless lamb. You look back through the Old Testament, all of of the Jewish traditions, all of the sacrificial system, all of this stuff, every every bit of it, it was all shadows. It all pointed to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. He was what all of that stuff from the Old Testament was pointing to. Getting everybody ready, letting everybody know that there's a sacrifice coming. Yeah. And and God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, gave his life for us. Now, in God's eyes, if you will truly give your life to Jesus, if you will accept him as your Lord and Savior, not just Savior. See, everybody wants him to, to oh, yeah. save them from hell. But they don't want him to be Lord. There's a bit. There's a difference. He is Lord. He's called Lord more times than he is Savior yeah. in the Bible, and he is our Lord and Savior. That means he rules us. Yeah. We are living for him. Okay. So when you truly accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, in God's eyes, you were on that cross with him. Your old person died. You were buried. That old person, all of your past sins, all of your past iniquities, everything from your past, no matter how much the world still wants to remember it, no matter how much the world wants to still persecute you and throw up things that you used to do or the mistakes that you have made, they want to throw it up and keep keep holding it over you. But in God's eyes, that stuff was buried. That stuff is gone. Yes, You were resurrected to walk in a newness of life. Now we walk as Jesus walked. We're yeah. led by the Holy Spirit. He did not just die so that we could try to live for him in our own power. He died so that he could live in and through us. Yes. That's the gospel. That's the power of the cross. That's what it all means. It's not it's not about us doing good enough to please God. Like I said, when we are truly born again, we will do when you believe right, you will do right. Yeah. Your your life will start lining up with the Word of God. The the old sins and and lifestyle that you used to love and that you used to be involved with those things will fall away because the Holy Spirit is transforming us from the inside out. That's the gospel. But we can't do it in our own power. We have to crucify ourselves. We have to submit ourselves to the leadership of the Holy Spirit and let Him 
do the work in us and through us. That's it, brother. You got anything on that note? Anything else that you'd like to mention there? I'm just so thankful, man. That he loved me enough. Yeah. Me. He loved you enough mm -hmm. to send his son for us. And we didn't deserve it. We don't deserve it. No. That's love, man. That is love. That is love. And that's that's the point that people need to understand. God made a way yeah. for us to be redeemed. Uh, you know, he could have yep. he could have just said, Ah, to hell with all of them. But that's where he showed us his love. That's it, man. By sending Jesus to come to this earth and do what he did and be our sacrifice. And now our faith in him, God sees us as Jesus. Jesus is in us and we are in Jesus. That's what it's all about. That's how God sees us. He sees us as perfect. That's what the word, that's what the word uh, justified means, not guilty. That's when we place our faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified, that is that is what that's what God says. He says, You're not guilty. Just as Jesus was not guilty, mm -hmm. you are no longer guilty. You are justified by faith. By faith. That's the gospel. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I wanted to, and this may strike up another conversation, and that's fine, but I, I wanted to be sure to get this in on the podcast. Uh, I've been meaning to for the last several weeks, but the Lord's, you know, led my led my scriptures and, and my, my talk in a different direction, but I, I really wanted to let everybody know where wrestling for the faith come from. Um, and it's, it's funny to me because I wasn't even reading Jude at the time that yeah. I started feeling the 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 title to the podcast wrestling for the faith but it comes from Jude uh it, there's only one chapter but Jude chapter 1 beginning at verse 3 says beloved while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men, who turned the grace of our God into lewdness and deny our only Lord God, and our Lord Jesus Christ. There in verse 3 where he said, contend earnestly for the faith. That's where, that's where the title, Wrestling for the Faith, came from. 
And uh, it's, it's just Jude exhorting believers to, to stand firm in the truth of the Word of God. Exactly what we've been talking about today. Don't compromise the Word. Right. Stand firm. Know who you are in Christ. Identity. That's what we used to preach constantly to those kids in the youth group. Brother, that's what I preached until identity. Yeah. Knowing who you are in Christ. And that's that's what Jude yeah. is saying. He's saying, know who you are in Christ. Know the Word of God mm-hmm. and stand firm in it. See. Never back down. Contend earnestly for the faith. So, Wrestling for the Faith became the name of the podcast. And that's... Uh, that's what we're doing. We're we're having wrestling talk. Uh, we're having a whole lot of Jesus talk too, and I believe today that we have done uh, a pretty good job, led by the Holy Spirit of wrestling for the faith on today's episode. You got anything you'd like to uh, say in closing? I'd just like to say for the listeners out there. Man, don't give up. A Christian, don't give up. Yeah. Identity, know who you are. It's who Christ says you are. Not who we say you are. Not who the world says you are. Like I said, I'll preach this until I'm gone. Identity. Because he showed me. He showed us who we are. Mm-hmm. We're not who we used to be. It's who he says we are now. So don't give up. Man, don't use, well, I went to church all my life. I did this and that. And I was hurt and I was church hurt, whatever. Don't use that as an excuse to keep moving forward. Keep, the closer you get to the cross, man, just keep going. Just keep going. Yeah. Keep moving forward. Keep moving never forward. Go, never go back. We preach on that all the time. Yeah. And that's, that's good stuff. I've really enjoyed the conversation today. Uh, we didn't have any kind of format. We didn't have any idea exactly what we was going to be talking about, but um, I believe that we've had a great Holy Spirit-led conversation. I enjoyed it, man. I have too. And to those listeners out there, like Brandon said, don't give up. And if you are maybe in a position that we've talked about uh, on the different topics that we've talked about today if maybe you're in that position or maybe you've maybe you've been church hurt maybe you're burned out maybe you were trying to live for God under your own power or uh, you know maybe you have walked away from the Lord Uh, the Bible says today is the day of salvation yes so um, no matter who you are no matter what you've done no matter where you've been Jesus loves you. He died for you. And he is waiting with arms wide open to receive you into the kingdom and to clean you up, to transform your life, and set you on a new path. So today can be that day. It's not hard. Uh, You don't have to you don't have to say any magic words of any magic prayer. You just know that Jesus is the Son of God. He loves you. He lived 
a perfect life. He died for you on the cross of Calvary. He was buried. He was resurrected. And someday soon, he's coming back again. Very soon. You, you, you know that and you believe that with all of your heart. Not just with your mind. Not just a head knowledge. But a heart knowledge. You believe that with all of your heart. And you can be born again. You can be transformed today. It's not hard. And even though uh, everything's not a bed of roses uh, after you're born again, listen, a life without Jesus is much, much harder. It is. And uh, that peace that we talked about, uh, the Bible calls it the peace that surpasses all understanding. That's it, man. It can be yours today. So no matter... No matter what you're going through, no matter who you are, what you've done, where you've been, there's no such thing as hopeless. There's always hope, and his name is Jesus. For all Wrestling for the Faith updates, follow Casey on Facebook and on Twitter at Real Casey Cage. Thank you for listening to another episode of Wrestling for the Faith with Casey Cage.